Persuasive Words. I'm Scott Jones. And I'm Bill Bork. We had a, we're having a great time with our Facebook Live uh, inter, interface th- thing, whatever we call it. Yeah. Here Ecamm. We Ecamm. E- Ecamm comments. Is, yeah. yeah. Ecamm Live. Actually, so we had problems with two microphones working with this. And actually, the CEO got back to me on Facebook Messenger and I figured out, he helped me figure out what it was. So wow. So that's good. Basic that's, that's responsive. That's good. It is responsive. I like that. Well, happy Saturday afternoon. Happy. Shabbat is closing out here today. It is Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom, yeah, friends. At the end of it. So, yeah, so it's been a week, and we've been all kinds of stuff going on still. I'm still recovering from the plague here, which has been— This is a severe flu. This was a severe flu season, and I think it's going to surpass the last severe flu season. I'm not sure how they manage that and measure that. Also, this week we had, was it the 11th or 17th school shooting already for 2018? And two wonderful 15-year-olds died. Um, and uh, we don't talk about we, – we conveniently talk about – don't talk about that. We don't do anything about them. They just keep happening. And uh, we're going to build a wall uh, <laughs> to keep out uh, the imaginary problem of, of illegal aliens. And I, not that there's, there's problems, but uh, the most dangerous part of America are Americans right now, yeah. statistically. And uh, even the whole Las Vegas thing kind of went away. But, you know, that, we don't hear people talk about that. There's, you know, scores of people were killed and, you know, hundreds of lives were shattered and we just move on. So that's, that's life in America. But as long as evangelicals have their man in the White House, we can continue to, to move forward and hope, right? We can hope. We can. Uh, you know, it was interesting when you were talking about the school shit. Like the things that I saw – during the Las Vegas shooting that where I found, I think we talked about this, but I found the most in- interesting where Brett Stevens, the conservative commentator from the New York Times, said that we should just get rid of the Second Amendment. And he's a conservative. Right. He said, basically, he's like, no, look, I don't mean that would be a prohibition on all guns. He's like, but if we didn't have the amendment in and the fetishizing of it, we, can ha- we could just be more realistic. Like, we, we, there, gun control would be, would have a lot more flexibility and you, you wouldn't have this sort of second. And then, and then someone from... 538.com, the Nate Silver's website, who's a liberal and studied the gun control issue for like almost a year, said basically she's not convinced that any of the policy solutions, especially people advocate what people do in Europe and Australia and so that all the numbers she looks at, they wouldn't make a difference. So it's just interesting, two people from two opposite sides of the spectrum admitting kind of ideological, committing ideological heresy. Like for one to say we should get rid of the second, another to say all the gun control things liberals talk about. Just there's no sociological, you know, different a lot of research. I don't think I, I mean she's like I'm for gun control, lots of it, but she's I'm just don't think any of the things people are suggesting would have an impact. Yeah, I do think the fetishing of the gun thing. I mean the gun, uh, the omnipresent nature of the gun culture. It's such a part of who we are, and we're such a violent culture, and, and we've always been a violent culture. I mean, in some levels, our, this country was founded. Um, it was a very violent fi- founding of the country. Um, and um, I think the violence of the Civil War, that the trauma of that uh, and the reactions to that trauma still affects so much of our racial issues in this country. And uh, the Three Stooges, very violent comedy. Yeah, that's exactly where I was thinking. I was but I mean, I'm just saying, you yeah. see it in many, many, many types pro of wrestling. Pro wrestling. <laughs> Hulk Hogan, by the way, said he's considering running for political office. Oh, that would be, that would be, yeah, why not? Yeah. Hulkamania run. It could, could it get worse? <laughs> could, no. no, it could not get worse. So yeah. So I, some, the reason we just are willing to tolerate 
our children being shot at school. Um, I, 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 it's, it's one of those things where I, I'm not usually a very hopeless kind of person, but I'm pretty hopeless about that. There just doesn't seem to even be a will to talk about it anymore. And so we just, we've, we've come to the point where we accept, you know, every other week children getting shot at school. And, um, and that's, uh, and we somehow hide behind the flag and talk about being a Christian nation and, um, and that somehow that does, there's not an incongruency there for so many people. Which brings us to our topic. Yes. Why do evangelicals still support Donald Trump? Yeah, and, and boldly support them. You know, I mean, was, <laughs> I mean, one leader gave him a mulligan for uh, paying off the uh, X-rated uh, film star. So I, I guess from evangel, you know, all these evangelical churches, a lot of them do— a lot of interventions around. Uh, I don't think. It's, I think it's beyond a mulligan. He doesn't even have to play it as it lies. I mean, he could tee it up in the, the fairway. Yeah. He could too. So I, oh, somebody said, you know, I forget who said it on one of the news channels. They said um, he's a great, such a great negotiator, but the only one that got it gets a deal is the porn star, <laughs> right? So I, I'm trying to think of these conservative churches. So it's wrong to be addicted to porn, but if you pay off a porn star, that's okay. Is that, is that kind of where is that kind of where the evangelical community is right now about that? Well, you're not looking at porn; you're looking at a porn star. All right, maybe that's okay. All right, yeah. yeah. And again, Jerry Falwell Jr., who I'm sure he's intelligent about some things, but uh, if he would have uh, gone into real estate, stayed in real estate development, Trump might be number two, not number one. <laughs> but if he took anything. He must have got all his theology or church history at, at Liberty University because he didn't. He doesn't know anything in terms of the history of it. And he talked about. Do you know uh, Liberty University has a ski slope on its campus, like like a functional? You can go skiing when it snows there. Ah, that's good to know. How often does it snow in Lynchburg? I don't. I don't. Maybe know. they make their own snow there. I don't so. know, but yeah. I, I've never been to that campus. I, I would like to go just to see it. I mean, there were con- there was a conference I think that I was almost went to just to see it. But I didn't. Oh, maybe we can put you. Maybe that sounds like uh, new persuasive words on assignment. There. Assignment. I, I'm still waiting for my Ken Ham invitation. <laughs> and then also, I, I guess. Uh, well, and uh, James Dobson. James Dobson is he senile? I don't know if he is. He still functioning? Because he came out saying that God. I don't is. spend all my time with James Dobson. <laughs> well, no. you listen. You, oh, you're, you're on. Uh, you're on the wall. I just yeah, was wondering. I just, most just like Fox News and some radio, but like I don't really listen to Christian and, conservatives. And then Franklin Graham, who is a living example of why you should not go in the same business your father was in, yeah. uh, came out and loudly supported yeah, president I mean, as well. So. I mean, Donald Trump Jr., Eric Trump, Ivanka. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there might be some good <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of data. Or, there's a lot of data in this study. So, I mean, the longer thing, I guess, is the longer question is that <laughs> what is the just seemingly the blind support of these leaders? I mean, the fact is these and these were people who, I mean, you may have not liked his policies, but Barack Obama was a model husband and father <laughs> and human being. But these people were all very anti him. And and um, and one would never accuse Donald Trump of being a model father or a husband, but I just what is the ongoing need just to continue to aggressively support Mary's him? models, Mary's models, Mary's models. Yeah. So he's the husband of models, but not a model. model husband. Husband. <laughs> I mean that that that's why that's why boys and girls syntax is everything, right? Instead of model husband, you could say husband model. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> so I mean, 
what are some of the obvious and not so obvious reasons why there is this not only, I mean, it's loud vocal support for a man who consistently uh, brings about policies that are antichrist. I mean, it's hard to find anything at all, even in remotely a semblance of any kind of Christian principle uh, about anything he does. So what? why do they, is it just because they're right-wing conservatives? And I'm not even sure Donald Trump's a right-wing conservative. So what is the ongoing support? What do you think? Well, I mean, I think it's you, it's pragmatic. I mean, right? You you if you're a culture warrior, right? And the people that tend to voice this are culture warriors, right? right. Like people that are not culture warriors, they're still conservative evangelicals. You don't hear saying this. It's a certain kind of culture warrior, and you know they said they like that he bloodies noses on the schoolyard. You know, I think that we did a podcast a couple of weeks ago, or we were talking about that the guy. The New Republic Jewish liberal thinker was talking about like how conservatives, how liberals use cultural power right. to marginalize conservatives, right. call you a racist or a bigot. Right. So I think that happens enough. And if you're in the culture war business, the fact that you've got to kind of uh, deal with that, you you've got a kind of rabid dog that you think you can kind of. Be, keep on leash and, 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 and attack, attack the, the vandals and they were, I mean that, I think it's something like that on one level, right? Just, Hey, we, we want to win the culture war. We've had some significant losses. I mean, right. yes. you, you just Doug Padgett, we've seen give and take was talking about this dialogue he did with this guy who is still a Trump supporter. Right. Uh, at, um, Adam, uh, Levine, I think, I, I think it's his last name. And, you know, for him, this, what Doug came away with is that, the, Barack Obama was so traumatizing for a certain kind of cultural and generally religious conservative that the prospect of Hillary Clinton would be like, you know, a, 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 eight years of Trump followed by, you know, or eight years Bannon, of Obama. Obama you know, that would be what Hillary Clinton would be like, you right, know, like, right, like right. so, so. And for, there, for, and there have been 20 years of, of anti Clinton yeah. stuff going on. And, and, but so I think that, that on some level, the, the fact that, they feel like here's a, a reality. Here's a, a star. A select. We have a, we have a star that's defending us in the culture war. I think, and they got Gorsuch, which I mean, a lot of the stuff Trump could take credit for, and there are things certainly. I think Gorsuch, you you, you nominate a young Supreme Court justice who's right. who's not a dumb guy, and but any conservative would have done that. The deregulation right. stuff that's going on. Anything anybody would have done, that. right? Right. It, you know it, the the tax cut stuff. You could you could anybody ar- would have done. You that. could argue that an effective conservative president with Congress could have gotten a lot more done. Oh, a lot more done. And you know, it's funny is he campaigned on a very kind of left wing, or at least traditionally left for workers against globalist trade. All these things, like the campaign was against Wall Street. Again, Hillary's the Wall Street, but now we're. The, every, all everything's about the stock market and Devos, and it's just a fascinating yeah. contradiction in terms. But I digress. But the thing is, I think that primarily for people like Gary Bauer or Tony Perkins, who was had the Mulligan comment, yeah. <laughs> and Franklin Graham. I mean, like the the fact that you know Franklin said, we're not saying he's the nation's past or anything, but you know he's he is defending Christian values, and and there's a kind of bellicose sort of Christianity that. You know, Trump's sort of just antagonistic, combative nature almost counterbalances 
or it overshadows. I mean, it's like it's like aggression covers a multitude of sins. Right. I mean, you know, I think that that on one level, it's it's some of it's that right. right. Like we get, we're winning. Like yeah, they they felt yeah. I mean, again, you know, the the, the fact that and there's you know the and and I think you and I both have said that some of the feeling of disdain that comes from the left establishment is you know that's there's a legitimate complaint that that often there's there has been some cultural elitism that has tended to forget about large segments of this country but you know there's a lot of disturbing things i i have a a friend of mine who's on a board in west texas and um is he's part of his board that they they give uh, money. The foundation gives money to rural health initiatives, and the map of underserved communities in this country that has have borderline third world kind of uh, health issues is totally correlates with religious conservatism as well. Now, you know, he he asked me about that, and I and I, had, I haven't had time to look through all the studies. So now, again, all it, what's true often is. Poor people tend to be more religious, and so that's that could be just the fact that that could be that demographic. But one of the things that he's particularly concerned about, you know, the fact is, you know, access for women's health issues uh, and children, um, the kind of anti-vaccine uh, phenomena that often is fed among certain conservative Christian groups. It's not just them; but it's other people as well. Yeah, because there's a kind of lefty and libertarian. There's a libertarian. Yeah, no, yeah, it's not. That's not. Yeah, that's yeah. not one group alone. Um, but then also the refusal of of some conservative pockets governmentally of 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 certain kinds of government aids that would help poor people uh, in in medical situations. And so, for him, you know, one of the things he's you know he equates this with the whole anti science re, uh, reaction among certain circles as well. So the fact is that we are not thriving as a country. I mean, the rich are getting richer. Uh, the tax cuts are not going to help. Uh, middle class for poor people, and our infrastructure has not been addressed, and we continue to have extreme, dramatic social issues that are only going to get worse in this country. So I, I think for me, as it's just the evangelicalism that I was nurtured in was less ideological. It was much more compassion, and it talked a lot more about Jesus than these these folks seem to do. And I and I, it puzzles me a bit. Is it? Is it so? Is is there a theological reason for this as well? Is this part, or do you think it's just a logical conclusion of thirty years of culture war? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that there's a big chunk of the evangelical community that has forsaken the culture war. Yes, and, and you know who is that? Cal Tom? Was it Cal Thomas? We see the conservative Cal. Yeah, he used. He was one of the original. And he was one of the ones that forsook it early and said so that he was the original moral majority guy. Yeah, and then he kind of said that you know we, we shouldn't be all about this. And you, so you have a group of conservative evangelicals that are not are not culture warriors, and they, but then you do have people there. And I also think the whole forgotten man syndrome that Trump talks about. Like I do think that something about Trump. There are a lot of people I think that are conservative and would check Christian almost as an ethnicity. Right, this is right. the hillbilly elegy kind of right, thing. Right. right, yeah. And so around issues of sexuality where there's so much change, and what's more primal than like gender and sexuality? And there's all this change. Then there's kind of a global economy that's leaving a big 
segment of the country that a lot of those people find themselves in behind. Right. Then you have, uh, then you have, you know, like just the cultural traditionalism, you know, that kind of thing. And, And so I think that Trump's willingness to sort of give voice to the other thing you think about how often too, how many Republicans basically courted the base and then ignored them. Right. Right. Like, I mean, largely ignored them. Trump, Trump, only cares about the base almost. It, it, his, it's all, his base, yeah. yeah and he, there's something about that, that that I think emboldens the the, the because, you know the, he doesn't. Part of this sort of increasing enthusiasm might be that, well, geez, this is about the time when all that. Wow, we can't. Of course, we said we were dead. We didn't think we were going to do it. No, he really sticks with us yeah, against yeah. his own political. You know, like it, when you the, you know the sort of savvy commentators that would say, well, this is what most presidents do try to broaden out their support not only court the base only court the base but that's consistently kind of what he does and i think that you know there's something probably that 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 the leaders of the base like about that yeah well i think it also part of it is you know the you know the the white man's last stand there's a little bit of that i think into it as well yeah and i mean he the fact he gets away with consistently racial politics and you know um, yeah it's not dog whistle stuff it, it, it's bullhorns it's bullhorns yeah. yeah i mean it's not yeah, subtle no, no and then you know and then he just just because it's like uh it's like in talladega nights um i say i'm not a racist so i'm not a racist <laughs> i can say racist things but i'm not i'm the least racist person i know so if you have to say i'm the least racist person <laughs> you know yeah. You probably a lot of people think you're racist. Like yeah. you know you don't really I never heard Gandhi say <laughs> Yeah, I mean you never heard you don't hear Pope Francis say I'm the least racist pope <laughs> I mean like if you have to say that you're the least racist person, you're probably a racist. Like, I'm just saying. Like it's yeah, that's that's probably that, that's a good uh, that's a good Yeah, thing. I mean just, just a rule, rule of thumb. Of, I want to take a brief moment to ask you a quick question. Do you like this podcast? Do you enjoy it? Do you look forward to listening to it while you do a morning, afternoon, or evening routine, or while you're exercising, or while you're caught frustrated in traffic? Do you tune into it because of the conversations you find here? If the answer to the aforementioned questions is yes, or even just a solid maybe, would you do something for me? Would you consider becoming a Patreon sponsor of the podcast for just five bucks a month or more? It's for a good cause. You can help this podcast and one of the many others I do keep going. And you can help launch several other podcast projects I've got in the works. Being a Patreon sponsor is really just you being a patron of an art form you enjoy and are passionate about. So I invite you to be a patron through Patreon of this, which I think is an art form you're enjoying and will continue to enjoy. Again, any contribution is welcome, but for five bucks a month, you will get a shout out on the thank you roll call, which begins right now. Thank you, David and Winona Babico, Michael Butera, Peter Stegenwald, Samantha Blythe, Sari Graham, Jordan and Danny Morseberger, Josh Redder, Ellis Brazil, David Zoll, Jonathan Butrin, Ben DeHart, Stephen Rowe, Ben Crosby, John Schneider, Steve Lipless, and Charlotte Donlin. If you want to join these patrons through Patreon, just go to patreon.com forward slash Scott Kent Jones. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the show. So, you know, well, people say demographically, 
one of the things, one of the cost of this among evangelicals is, um, you know, young younger adults voting with their feet. They've they've now again I'm, that's that's you know there are there are twenty somethings who support Donald Trump, but by and large that 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 age group is uh, left behind in this uh, in this kind of uh, blanket support for Donald Trump. Yeah, no, I mean I think evangelicalism and the Republican Party face major demographic challenges like in the in the future in that and because the two have become linked i just think it's never good for a culture when there's a religious party and a non-religious when there's like yeah if you're religiously observant you tend to go to and so the kind of conservative causes culture works are causes that that you know the republican party and evangelicals are kind of jumping into bed with each other consistently on I mean, it's gonna the the, the hold on the millennials. It's that's I mean, there's none of you no hold. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. that's the interesting thing. <clears throat> but I don't think I don't think the Democratic Party is an automatic winner from this because I think, as we've seen, uh, I mean, you're least, not inspired by Chuck Schumer. Yeah, I'm not inspired by any of those folks right now. I and uh, and I think uh, yeah, I think there needs to be significant change. I mean, I think we uh, there's a there's an acute lack of statesmen and states women. Um, now I think there's some rising stars that could be, uh, that could be helpful. And, uh, and I think the, unfortunately the Republicans of conscience who I think are people that I maybe didn't agree with, but on everything, but I admired a lot of those, those people have been disenfranchised. I mean, they're, they're not, uh, the, uh, the party, uh, has left them behind. And so I, are they, you know, they've left the party behind. I don't know. So, I think it's. I think it is a. Um, we've talked about this, you know, before we did an episode last year about how late democracies look, and uh, and we continue to check the boxes of uh, how democracies and their demises look, and uh, and I, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not optimistic about a, a long term democratic solution for the current. Uh, lack of moral morality among the Republican Party, and that the fact is people who should be a little more biblically prudent, uh, people who are followers of Christ, have willing to be sacrificed so much for feeling like they have a champion. That just boggles, that boggles my mind. That's so That's so contrary to so much of the faith that I was nurtured in. And as a historian, uh, the better angels of the evangelical movement. Uh, this is this is a dark day. For to that. quote our friend David Fitch, it's a Christendom problem. But, but there is something that about that, though, right? Whenever you get too close to power, and you, you whereas you know the gospel seems to have at the heart of it strength through weakness and, yeah. and winning through losing. You know, losing is is so. There, there's this kind of. Well, I would say it's actually the fruit of non-Christendom in this country, the anarchy of Protestantism in this country, and the fact that there is no accountability. I, was was the guy that shot Garfield? Was he Protestant <laughs> and an anarchist? Because then he'd be a case study. <laughs> <laughs> or was Gar? I can't remember. Was it? A, or was an anar? Maybe an anarchist shot McKinley. Garfield, I think, was a, a guy who wanted a job. It was, it was an unemployed guy. Uh, yeah, I think I got probably this. also a Protestant. Probably also a Protestant. Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so it's interesting we talk talking about like the late democracies. Like, there's this guy who's going to actually come on give and take. Chris 
Kutarna, who wrote co-author a book called The Age of Discovery, and I heard an interview with him recently. He was saying that that basically democracy was kind of the conservative solution. Like if you look at Plato and the Republic, we get the philosopher king. You know, we get Bill Bohr, and he'll sit and make rational decisions for everybody. Right, I, yeah, I like that. But then the problem is, it's a high risk, high reward. Because what if we pick the wrong philosopher king, and they're so. So you have more of an Aristotelian, broader base. So instead of picking me, you pick Fitch. Exactly. There yeah, you go. There, there, right. there, there right. you go. So you know, but you know, you look at somebody like, you know, Aristotle, who thinks you broaden out the power base a little bit and, and something more democratic, and you know that that will act as a check against this. Now it's sort of like, you know, it almost seems like democracy is the high risk, high reward. You know, because he of people that get voted in. I mean, you you, yeah. look, you look at the what happened in Egypt, the Arab Spring, right? And there was right. a brotherhood. Or you, or you look at the Brexit thing. And you and China, you know, I mean, Fukuyama, right? Fukuyama's book, The End of History, right? Was in the early 90s, right? You know, the the Iron Curtain has fallen. Basically, it's this totally Hegelian book. In the end of history, liberal democracies are, are the wave of the future. China, they're totalitarian. And, you know, to, to really plan the global stage, they're going to have to have more advanced capitalistic economic growth, and that's going to lead to a flourishing of democratic values. And psh, we don't have to worry about China, right? Well, now China's like, well, look, no, you can do a better job as a statist. <laughs> like you can, you know, or even with social media, right? Like you look at how the China was talking about how you said, well, we thought social media would, and he's pro social media and very right. much like let it go run wild and right. sort of, but saying, you know, like, China figures out. Other people think well, this is the you know the 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 democratic voice sort of flourishing, getting important. Well, China's like, no, this is great because now it makes private speech public speech, and we can know exactly where people are speaking out and 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 with dissenting ideas, and we can crack down on that, and we can we can sort of like Russia's doing. We can, we can have aggressive social yeah. media strategies to influence behavior. Yeah. In other in other countries, it's funny too. In this interview, he said that Americans should thank the Russian taxpayers because of what we were learning. Like they they weren't they weren't littering social media here during the election with hyper ideological stuff. It was homophobic. It was racist. It was so. It's it's you know he was saying that this campaign that Russia did showed the underbelly and how different our private discourse is from our public mm, political right. discourse. And so it just so there you go. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff. Uh, yeah, it just makes me think about the democratic project and and where we're at. Yeah, no, and and the fact is that um, you know, again, the assault on media, for instance, and the fact that uh, Trump gets applauded for saying things that Stalin said, and uh, hitting me in the field, which Khrushchev came after, or spread. Khrushchev came after Stalin. Yeah, well, he's the one that did the, the anti-Stalin stuff, Khrushchev. Yeah, yeah, he banned, he banned, he banned, he banned, he banned the enemy of the state media, which is yeah. Stalin Trump has picked up. Yeah. Well, the other thing too is uh, <laughs> Khrushchev weakened the knees. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I put he's a, a chicken livered sissy. That Khrushchev. I, I, I put a I put a uh, poster from Dr. Seuss, uh, 1941, who Dr. Seuss was one of the cartoonists that the military hired, and it has uh, a woman, a grandmother, wearing. A America first T-shirt, and she's talking about how it's good that uh, uh, Uncle Adolf is taking care of, <laughs> of all these people, and uh, it just reminds that the immigration policies, the uh, there was an you know there've been multiple waves of anti-immigration feeling, and one of the laws that was passed I think in the 1920s 
was the law that kept uh, thousands of Jews from being able to come here. And we actually sent a bunch of people back to Germany and they died in a concentration camp. So on this day where we do Holocaust remembrance, um, that was that was a American first policy that helped thousands of people die. And I think those things are important to remember. And there were Christians who were speaking out against that, as well as there were Christians who back then even were supporting a kind of xenophobic um, identity that has nothing to do with the gospel. By the way, if Donald Trump came into the bunker, I'm sure he'd say, shithole. <laughs> I mean, and right, I mean, it's, I mean, it is, that's dusty at times and it's lighting is not perfect. So, well, I mean, with some justification, maybe shithouse. <laughs> right, right. Well, I like on CNN that they just said, we're saying shithole. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just say shithole. Like, it's funny. And yeah, to me, what makes, what is a curse? What's not? I mean, that shit is not a curse word. It's slang. It may be improper. It's funny is that the sentiment is the problem. It's not the language. It's the sentiment. Like the oh, the total disdain. Yeah, know. and and you know it's so interesting too that I never get is you know people from places like Nigeria come over here and thrive. I mean they're you, know, you, oh, you, the, you yeah, look the, at the average higher incomes they're higher average income than native born the, Americans. The Nigerians who come here on an average over fifty percent of them have advanced degrees. Yeah, well you know it's interesting I, how I thought that for conservatives they're supporting we're pretty sympathetic to Trump's comments and the. Who always say that Scandinavia is the worst because it's all government, you know, lazy people. They're getting everything. Out. So we want the people with the socialist government over here. <laughs> but the people that don't have a lot of government, they come and work their ass off. They're they're from shitholes and they're bad. Yeah, and like I, I, it's, yeah. The whole like logic of the thing is so stupid. And I'm thinking of all the evangelicals. Like, why would anyone from Norway want to come here? Yeah. We're getting taken oh, care of pretty yeah. well. <laughs> no, no. There's a, I saw on social media there was a list of everything Norway has that we don't, and no one from Norway would want to come. I also think of, you know, all the Christian missions and all the relationships we have, the, the, the amazing relationships we have with our brothers and sisters from Haiti and from Kenya, from Africa, from South America, Central America, and, and how the, those kind of comments, uh, those are, he was talking about your brothers and sisters in Christ, many of, many of you who know them by face and name. And that, is, that bond is more important than any kind of narrow political agenda. So kind of try, try to remember that we're Christians. That would be a good thing to remember in 2018. Who was the commentator that said, I'm a proud <laughs> shitholer? Like <laughs> <laughs> uh, my parents, right? Like when people are like, <laughs> oh, it's what's his name? The guy from uh, New York Times, the uh, conservative guy that's a non-Trump. Uh, I, I love what Bernie Sanders like, uh, my father immigrated from uh, a country, I guess the president would say, is a shithole. Hungry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> we've come a long way. Now, yeah, I mean, so in close, I mean, I think that it, it, it is interesting. Bill Crystal's become a fascinating culture figure right now. He's this kind of the quintessential sort of anti Trumpers. But, you know, I remember he, a couple weeks ago he was saying. You, you need to start getting neoconservative bobbleheads. I love here. that. I, I love it. <laughs> He was, today I was listening to uh, his conversation podcast. He had a guy on who's someone something the fourth who has written a few books on Shakespeare and Rome and Shakespeare's views of Rome. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. But Chris was saying nothing is worth this. Mm-hmm. Not a justice, not a tax cut, not like nope. it's just the, the, the long term cost damage to civil society and just to our, our mutual social bonds are not worth the short-term gain and i think that that 
I mean, everyone's pragmatic right. around political things, and you kind of have to be a certain time. But there are times where you, you have to. It's it's sort of it's where you know when we when we defend the republic via torture, right? Is it worth losing our humanity to defend our security? Like, at what point do we lose? At what point does life become less worth living because we're less human? And I think that yeah. that's where we all of us would, would do well to ask those questions. And I think we have to stop attacking the people who risk their lives to prevent the next 9-11. Yeah. I mean, those of you Christians are supporting that, you're pagans. So stop being that way. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, J. Edgar, I was thinking about J. Edgar Hoover. And <laughs> We've come who, along. Who, yeah. You know, it's interesting. So I wonder what evangelical polling is. On J. Edgar Hoover. Oh, well, you know, with, the not, with the women's track clothing. Jay, the- well, before he came, before we knew he was uh, that, he there was actually some of those fundamentalist tracks. There was a J. Edgar Hoover track that they used to send out, his words. So so they probably don't send that out. <laughs> I would think. I would think. All right. All right, guys. God bless. Well, Have a good you. one. Take Have care. Have a great weekend, and bye. Cause I'm the new judge